My beloved, how long have I labored in love to commit my mind to paper and confess to you how you have captured my heart? Since the moment we met, my every thought, my every dream, has been of the day when at last we might embrace and our souls be laid bare. Yet, as that day approaches, I fear myself impotent, so utterly incomplete. I wonder what you might make of me when at last you know of how smitten I am and how dear you are to me. I recall so clearly that day at the bank when first our paths crossed. It was as if I had seen an angel, you, so very kind and tender, holding open the door for me and offering up that smile which would soon set my heart ablaze. Yet I, in my hapless state, struck dumb with the first sparks of romance, pushed on past you, fearful to meet your eyes and betray to you how completely you had won me with that simple gesture. And how very kind you were mere minutes later when I found you again on the streets. You remember, don't you, how cold and rainy it was, though I've never been able to say how lovely you looked despite the downpour, nor how moved I was that you would offer a place in your cab to me. To me! Oh, and how perfectly right it seemed to sit beside you then, though our love had not yet blossomed, and how wondrously divine you were to bear up my shyness, though you knew me not. Oh, the rightness of our union growing ever more apparent with each day and night spent together, our evenings on the town, long walks in the park after dusk, you, shining light on all around, and I, so unable to tell you what you meant to me. I kissed you goodnight from a block away, wishing so desperately that I could find the words to express what my heart then knew. Then the next day, as you left the office, looking downtrodden and I struggling to say or do anything that would dispel the clouds from your countenance. Oh, how weak and small I am when compared to you, and how lucky I feel whenever I see your face. Our first night together, you looked so lovely in your evening dress, staring out your bedroom window into the night. I wondered then what you must think of in moments such as those. For you look as one so aware of this world, yet seeking another, as if you knew something of your angelic being, and you were made for a world more perfect than this. How perfectly you slept, safe and secure, I keeping steady watch over you from outside your window. I love how the air changes when you enter the room, and how your fragrance lingers after you leave. Oh, the times I have wanted to reach out and make myself known to you as you lie awake at night crying for I know not what, as I imagine holding you from my bed beneath your own. Soon, soon, my dear, our union will be complete. I shall whisk you away to the place I've prepared, and finally you will see me as I am. My friends, I fear, are jealous of you, but you'll meet them in time in our happy home. They may frighten you at first, but you must remember that I love you, and in time, so will they. Oh, what joy that day so fast approaches. So soon will I lift you over the threshold, down my cellar stairs, and we might consummate our love in our own home. What fun we will have then, you and I, as the years pass away until that day when you will join the rest of my friends in peaceful sleep eternal. But know, my dearest, that then I will weep. For I know I will never alight to where angels trod, and most certainly will miss you terribly. But please forgive me, my love if in time my heart finds another. For the world is full of angels, sleeping, ever sleeping, in the darkness of my heart.
These are the tales of the lonesome places of the world, the highways in hiding, and those that tread such ground. Welcome to the Byways. Thoughts and Prayers The only reason you're alive right now is because I prayed for you. Don't stop reading. I know how that sounds. I'm not sure how this is supposed to work, but I've been agonizing over this for weeks now and I've had enough. Take it or leave it, what happened happened, and maybe you can do something that I couldn't. Three months ago, I was living the American dream. I had a job, a house, a car, and without fanfare, it came crashing down around me. That day was like any other. I woke up at 6 a.m., took the dog out, grabbed some coffee, and left for work. Barbara, a co-worker, was going around the office like she usually did, but on this day, instead of her usual small talk, she was deathly serious. Her father had cancer. They'd discovered it too late, and there wasn't much time. She asked me to pray for him, and I said that I would. You know how it is, though. If you live anywhere with even a small faith community, you'll hear a lot about thoughts and prayers, and it's just second nature to say, yeah, you'll pray for whatever. But do you always pray for someone when you say that you will? Because I sure didn't. If there was a God, I was okay with him. I was a good guy. I didn't have any need. Would you judge me if I told you that the next week, when Barbara let us know that her dad had died, I didn't bat an eye or even feel bad for neglecting to pray? They knew how bad he was doing. They knew there was no hope. What was a prayer supposed to do? I offered my condolences and that was that. I didn't know Barbara well enough to offer much else. A few weeks later, my buddy Ted had a similar story to tell. His mom had been fighting breast cancer for a long while, but it was just getting worse. Based with this reality, Ted, the most stoic, anti-establishment atheist that I knew, was breaking down and asking everyone, including me, to pray for her. I'd never tell him this, but the writing was on the wall. There was absolutely nothing that could be done. I said I'd pray, though, but I forgot. His mom died the next day. Of course. I didn't see much of Ted after that. Frankly, I wouldn't have known what to say even if I had. The defining moment of my life came unexpectedly, and I didn't even recognize it. I arrived home late from work, and there were folks gathering on the lawn next door. I went over to see. Hit and run with a cyclist, and the kid was bleeding out on the side of the road. Someone ran past me with towels and dropped one. I picked it up, and this guy thought I was offering to help treat the wound. It's not really a good look to rescind such an offer, even if it was made in error, so I knelt down and applied pressure where I was told to. The hell is the ambulance? I thought as I debated if checking my watch would be impolite. The bleeding man spoke up. Excuse me? And before I can lean in, he grabbed my shirt and pulled me towards him. Pray. Please. Pray. It didn't matter that he had pulled me close. Everyone could hear him. He let go of me and fell back, and it was all eyes on me to see how I responded. Maybe it was the kid dying before me, or maybe the fear of looking like a prick in front of my neighbors, but I prayed, and I prayed good. I prayed for the kid to live. I prayed for the kid to be healed. Then, sensing that my neighbors were kind of getting into it, 
I added in some bit about his best days being ahead of him and that this too will pass. It was a pretty good act, considering how this kid was going to die in a few minutes. Except he didn't. The EMT finally showed up, and they were beside themselves. The bleeding had stopped, and the kid was, as they put it, in miraculous shape for someone who'd lost so much blood. They wheeled him off, but before they loaded him into the back of the ambulance, I heard him thank me. My neighbor started slapping my back and shaking my hand and telling me how good of a guy I was. And I had just done what came naturally. I saw the kid after he got out of the hospital. Back on his bike within a week like nothing had happened. He stopped me before I could get into my car and thanked me again for my kind words and that he just knew that God had spoken through me. He said that it was a wake-up call for him, that he was going to live a better life. Well, I just smiled and shook his hand and wondered what a shrink would make of it. What happened next was unavoidable, I suppose. Word had gotten around that I was a miracle man, and now, instead of folks asking for my prayers offhand when someone they knew was sick, I was getting requests day and night from everyone I knew. There were big requests, the illnesses and whatnot. But then there were the small requests. Someone's back hurt. Someone was getting stressed by their workload. Just menial stuff. I tried to be nice about it. These folks believed in something, and I didn't want to get in the way of it. So I said I'd pray. As you've probably guessed, I didn't keep my word. I regret that now. The illnesses took a bad turn, one after another. By the end of the first week, every single one of the family members I'd been asked to pray for had died. The small requests? The back pain became slip discs and hospitalizations. The heavy workloads became suicide attempts and psychiatric committals. Didn't dawn on me what was happening until Barbara caught me after work one day. She'd been pretty quiet since her father died, but she had another request to make of me. Her mother this time. She had had a stroke and didn't look like she was going to regain consciousness. Would I pray for her? Of course, I said. Will you pray for her right now? Barbara asked. I was taken aback. Sure, I said. It was all I could do. I prayed for Barbara, and I prayed for her mother. Then, because I had found my momentum... I decided to pray for the other folks, at least the ones who weren't dead yet. It was a half-hearted affair, but I tried to put on a good show for Barbara. She thanked me and left. Barbara's mom regained consciousness that day. I won't ever be able to confirm it, but I think it was about the same time that I was praying for her. What's more, all the folks that I had prayed for, some of them in the hospital with some pretty serious injuries at this point, they all made rapid, miraculous recoveries. Word got around once more that I had prayed for healing, and healing had come. And so the request continued. I'll admit I was curious now, so I began to test the waters a bit. When I received a prayer request, I'd write it down. Then I would take the full list of requests for the day and choose which ones to pray for at random. Look. I know how this sounds, but the ones that I chose to pray for resulted in recoveries, breakthroughs, and lives changing for the good. The ones I didn't pray for? Well, exactly the opposite. What's a person supposed to do in this kind of situation? Everyone, every single day, has problems that need to be solved. 
everyone, every single day, has a prayer that they need to have answered. And now, everyone began to catch on that maybe I wasn't praying for everyone like I said I would, because folks could tell quite clearly that some of the people I was praying for were getting better and some weren't. I'll be honest, it was an ego thing more than anything else, but I stepped up and started praying for everyone on that list. And they all got better. Have you ever heard a call for prayers while watching an interview on the news? I'll bet you don't pay them much attention. I never did. That is, until I realized that if I heard someone call for prayers, no matter what the source was, if I didn't pray, then something bad would happen. It was a bit of a nuisance, but I started to feel a real sense of responsibility if someone died because I hadn't prayed for them. Then things escalated. I got to the point that I didn't need to hear a specific call for prayer. If I knew of a situation, I had to pray for it. If I did, things were fine. If not, I stopped watching TV. But inevitably, someone would mention something at work and the guilt came back. Just hearing about disaster secondhand was enough for me to be responsible. Then Barbara dropped dead one night. Freak cardiac event, completely unexpected. Ted overdosed on sleeping pills the next night. My elderly mother fell down some stairs and broke her neck. All in the span of a week. Did I bear responsibility for that? Should I have been praying for them all along? I wasn't prepared to take that risk. I started spending hours in prayer each day for everyone I knew. Then I heard about some kids in the neighborhood dying because their back porch collapsed. I just started going through the phone book at that point. Difficult? Sure, but I had to do it. One forgotten name meant death for some innocent person. I contemplated what would happen if I forgot to pray for someone that I hated. Their deaths were never as cathartic as I would have hoped. I started hearing news from out of state. Whole towns washed away by floods. Body counts and earthquakes. Mass shootings. I tried to not feel guilty. Tried, because if I found a specific name somewhere, the stories of death became ones of miraculous lone survivors. They were always the people that I prayed for. I stopped going to work and answering my phone. My days were spent searching online phone books and databases, praying feverishly so that nobody would die because of me. At a certain point, I quit sleeping. This has become my life. I heard the news today, though. Car bombings in the Middle East. Mass genocide and plague outbreaks. It's gone global, and I'm afraid I can't go on like this any longer. So now you know. May God help you. You're alive because I prayed for the reader of this letter. I don't know what the rules are exactly, but here you are, so I must have done something right. Tell them what happened. Tell the world. Maybe it'll stop somehow. Maybe other people will get this ability to alter the course of nature so nothing like this ever happens again. If not, please forgive me. I'm not sure how long the world will last without me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Byways. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our audio podcast via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher platform and following us on social media at Thorns Attic. All illustrations and text of the stories featured on Byways are available at thornsattic.com slash byways. Byways is a production of Thorns Attic, LLC. All rights reserved. Today's Byways soundtrack includes Shadowlands 2, Bridge, Shadowlands 4, Breath, and Shadowlands 5, Antichamber, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0.